The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. Today's woman grew up in a middle-class family to parents who believed education was the key to a good life. As a little girl, she thought she might be a nurse, but her mother told her no, she should be a doctor. So even as a young girl, her parents set the bar high for what their children would become. No excuses were allowed, and can't wasn't a word that was permitted within the household. As this woman grew into a young adult, and entered medical school, she often followed what people expected. She became an eye surgeon and opened her own practice. However, after 11 years, she stepped away from surgery. She was burned out from trying to be everything to everyone. In the years to follow, she explored different avenues of impact. Today, she is making a difference as an integrative and intuitive medical physician who uses her gifts and talents to help people with strange, rare, and peculiar health issues. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Dr. Veronica Anderson. Hi, Dr. Veronica. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Annette. I'm just so happy to be here. I was waiting for my turn, so I'm very (laughs) happy today. (laughs) And I am so excited that you're with me. We have such a little time together, so let's jump in and get started. Sure. So along your success journey, you have had many male mentors, but no female mentors. So why do you think this was, and what would you say to women about being mentors to other women? Well, you know, it's hard to say why that wasn't it. I think a lot of times women are worried about themselves, and they feel if they pull in somebody else, it's going to be competition for them. I I think there's this scarcity attitude that there's only one spot, and if they mentor you, you might take the spot. I think that's an underlying fear of a lot of women. I still think it is on some respects, but I ran with it and did the best that I possibly could with people who decided that they wanted to help me because they saw something in me. So I'm grateful for people who mentored me. About mentoring other women, I think we have to reach out and look for each other, and we need to do that even more now. Women change the world. If you look at places that are doing really well, it's because women have really decided to help other women and collaborate as opposed to be competition to each other. Yeah, and I've seen the same thing, Dr. Veronica. I've seen where, and maybe it was justified in the past, where there were such few spots for women. But these days, there's a lot more opportunities open to us, and we really need to mentor each other into stepping into those, don't you think? Absolutely, because we are able to see ourselves in a role, then that helps us all. And so I would have loved to have seen uh, even another woman surgeon. But, you know, a little a little secret, though, with my mother saying to me, now think about this, my mother's now 85 years old, and so this was a long time ago. My mother had a female doctor when I was delivered, and so she had a vision for a woman as a doctor, which was unusual because she had a doctor who was in a predominantly male field. And so I think even when we don't see something for ourselves, we might see it for our children. And so a lot of what I do now, and I don't have 
daughters, I have sons. I do thinking about my sons and the future generations and what I would like life to be like for them as a whole, where we're in a place that it's not such a big deal, whether you're a man or a woman, or even if you, you know, these days, um, people are comfortable enough to identify where I don't identify as a man or a woman. So we're in a time where, thank you, millennials, we've gotten more comfortable with ourselves. And I think more women need to become more comfortable with ourselves and realize that we can be who we are and still get somewhere and help other people get somewhere too. Yeah, I love that. And it's very well and very beautifully said. So you were taught as a Black woman that, quote, you had to be twice as good to get half as far. So how did this belief impact you in positive and negative ways? Well, (laughs) I'm glad you said positive and negative ways because it's a limiting belief. It's definitely a limiting belief. All the beliefs that we have, we have to say, how has this limited me? So first, it's easy to see how a belief like that can help you. You work really, really, really hard, but then you feel always like you're not adequate enough. You're not working hard enough. And I have learned we're all built differently and meant to do things in a different way. And I've learned since I have a design that my design is not meant to work, 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 work. It's meant to be and be a guide. And that's different than work, 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 work. So I had to get over the limiting belief of that it's hard work that's going to shoot you to the top. Now, Do you have to do something? Yes, but it doesn't have to always be hard. It's like you go to Staples and they have that button that says easy. It can be easy. And so we need to get over the limiting belief as women, as African-Americans. And when you get over that belief, all of a sudden your life flows differently. It's not as hard. information comes to you, people come to you, opportunities come to you. So we have to start questioning, although I think my parents and other people in the culture were saying it to say, do your best. It was their way of saying, do better than your best. But on the other side, it was something that makes you always feel like you're not good enough. And you have to let that, in order for you to really just be at the top of your game, you have to know that not only am I good enough, I am fabulous and I'm more fabulous than everybody else in whatever your particular area is. So I had to let go of that belief and... (laughs) <laughs> you know, you get mad about, I get mad about it now, but, but on, on one side of getting mad about it, my parents, I love my parents and I know that they did the best they possibly could do. And one thing that they taught that I really remember is not just about when doing your best, it was about having integrity too. If I can say something about my parents is that it was about You are your word. You do what you're supposed to do. It's just be a good person. Emanate that goodness into the world. And that was the more important lesson. And I think their way of saying that was be twice as good. Right. I don't like the half as far place because if I look at my life, I'm not half as far. And I'm getting over that because I feel that I've held myself back in a way. 
And I would be further if I didn't have that belief <laughs> previously. Well, and, I, and I'm going to jump in there because I think that belief also could have contributed to the burnout that you felt because you felt like you had to work so hard to get half as far. So that leads to this work, 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 work to hope to achieve your dreams. And that's dangerous for women because yeah. we, we can burn ourselves out very quickly. So I'm going to move into a different space. So depression is something many deal with, and you have experienced this yourself. Yet you had a life everyone saw as beautiful. So how did you get yourself out of this mental health challenge when society felt you had no right to be there? Oh, boy. <laughs> that's a fat one, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Um, I felt ashamed for feeling bad. And people told me I just didn't know how to be happy. I was clinically depressed. By the time I got to a psychologist, I was severely clinically depressed. And there were people around me who could see that something was amiss. But I think when you are a woman that holds it together, who's high performing, even though you're falling apart, people don't see it. And on the other side, when you are in that position where it looks like you have a beautiful life, there are a lot of people who don't like that you have a beautiful life. So they don't necessarily run to your rescue. Misery loves company in a way. And so because I hadn't had the life of misery, oh, woe is me. When I fell down in that way, everybody fell away. <laughs> the church fell away. My husband fell away. Doctors fell away. There was no one there. How did I get through it? I met a psychologist <laughs> and I'm going to thank my former husband for this. I met a psychologist who was also a minister. And at the end of our marriage, we went to the psychologist just for marriage counseling. And she was the first person that realized, because we had been to another psychologist too. She realized she's really depressed and said that to my former husband, said she's really depressed and she's doing everything she can to survive. And when you're depressed, you feel like you're going to die and you're doing everything to not die. And that's why she's doing all these things that may not seem right to you. And at the time, you know, there's things that are meant to happen. It was meant that I was to move on and we were to move on for our marriage. So my husband at the time did completely didn't accept that, understand that. And our marriage did end. But I decided because I was so depressed to go back to that psychologist. And that psychologist, Linda Contreras Bird, told me not so fast. People have dark nights of soul. You can learn something from this. Now, yes, you may consider using some medications because you are really, really, really depressed. But we're going to get through this through self-examination to figure out why you're here. And she gave me a book about dark nights of the soul and people who had been through these and how it had changed their life because they got beauty out of those ashes. And so for years, every day, even when I met my current husband, I was still crying every day, even though I looked fine and I said I'm, I was over it. I was still crying every day. <laughs> when I met you, I was still crying every day, <laughs> you know, those years ago. And I will say, and this is not the path everybody will take. I understand that everybody has a different journey, but I was able to get through that without 
medications. I was going to the psychologist twice a week. I was going to the gym. I was eating and just all kinds of strategies I was using to get over this. I chose that I didn't, I don't know why I chose that because I was in traditional medicine at that time, but I had already decided I don't want to use pharmaceuticals. I don't think they're going to help me intuitively. I made that intuitive decision and decided I'm going to walk through this and get through this somehow. And with the help of psychologists, my personal trainer, who was a guy who I'd come in and I'd cry and break down as a man who would you know, be able to deal with that. And then coaches and spiritual teachers that I brought on my team, I was able to get through that. Um, so I thank everybody. It's, the, you know, all the people that helped me. And I'm thankful for that part of life because I have met so many wonderful people as a result of that life in the past dropping away, which looked beautiful to everyone. Houses, cars, diamonds, furs, black card, <laughs> okay, everything that everybody would want. But yet I knew in, deep in my soul, I was supposed to be somewhere different, doing something different. And until I surrendered and let go, I couldn't see what it was. And so that period was a period of really realizing that I, I have to surrender to something greater and I wasn't being true to myself. And so what was that going to take? Well, and I think, um, and I know someone listening has been where you've been. And I hope you sharing that wisdom of how you got through it will give them some direction as well, for sure. So going to talk about you as a driven woman a little bit. You are always hungering to accomplish more. And anybody listening that's driven certainly can relate to what that feels like. But to accomplish more, you told me that you have to keep yourself in a state of high vibration. So how do you know, Dr. Veronica, when you're slipping out of this high vibrational state? Okay, so this is where it really gets knowing yourself on a deeper spiritual level. And that took a lot. All the woo-woo stuff, I ended up being a woo-woo person that people seek out for that. Knowing myself and realizing that I'm a person who need rest, relaxation, and solitude. I need to be out of the field of other people. And I realized that a long time ago when I decided, even when I was married before, that I wanted my own house and people think that's kind of weird. I was just like, I need my own house. I need. <laughs> I didn't know why I needed my own house, but I need my own house. I need my own place. And I didn't have one at that point. And even though it was something that we could financially do, it just seemed weird to say that when you're in the middle of your marriage that you want your own place. It's just not something that's accepted or necessarily trusted. But I realized that you know, if you're feeling bad, you're slipping out of the vibrations. If I feel angry, if I feel sad fear, then I know I'm out of vibration because those are all constructs that are not in the world. It's a mirror for me to know that I'm not where I should be. And so when I coach my clients, I say there's six emotions, three of them are health harming, three of them are health promoting, there's fear, anger, sadness, and then there's gratitude, love, and joy. So if I'm feeling fear, anger, sadness, even at someone else, 
because everything out there is a mirror. Everything is a mirror. If I feel irritated with Annette, it's because there's something going on in me and I know that I am out of vibration. At this point, it's about radical responsibility and realizing that I create everything in my environment, in my world. So even when I deal with clients who have something strange, rare, and peculiar, it comes about asking, what am I supposed to learn from this experience? What's going on in me? Now, those answers aren't always easy to come by, obviously, because life is just complex. You have to figure out ways to get through that, you know, cleansing and clearing techniques to get through that. But when I'm having an irritation, a frustration, even when I look at somebody on TV that everybody said you have a right to be mad at, you know, all the turmoil that's been going on in our world. And if I feel bad about that, I'm out of vibration. And anybody, people would say, well, you're allowed to feel like that. Yeah, but I'm out of vibration. And I need to think about that. You're not going to be as productive and successful as you can and and accomplish as much as you want when you're in those places. Yeah, you're exactly right. I've noticed that about myself. So from your experience as an African-American woman, have you found most professional women are helpful to you? And what do professional women need to do to move us forward as a group? So I think, you see, that, well, this, this is a perfect question like that. I believe now um, a lot more helpful women have come into my life because everything is outward for me. I think there's these narratives that have gone through us as a culture and society that make it so that way. So, for instance, you said twice as good, half as far. We have this narrative that women don't help other women. And even though you might say you don't believe that, it's kind of permeating and percolating in the society. And so you look askance and suspicion a lot of times, even though you say you're not with other women. So I've noticed that as I've checked that, okay, more helpful women come into my life. And whenever I have a problem or disagreement with another woman, I'm just like, okay, what did I do to create that? Even though it may look from the outside like I was justified in how I felt, there's something that created a fear, anger, or sadness between me and another woman. It meant there's something going on in me. Let me fix that. Now that gets fixed, more helpful women just pop into my life. They just pop in and say, how can I help you? Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, interesting. Because you remove that block and then things come pouring in, don't they? Absolutely. So as a driven woman, do you ever feel like you need to hide or tame down your confidence, competence, and strength to keep from intimidating others? I got to say, this is probably interesting. I've never felt that way. It's been a product of my environment. I've been blessed to be put into an environment where I didn't feel like I had to hold back. And I'm laughing now because between my marriages, I remember I was talking to one of my former boyfriends who was a boyfriend in college before I got married. And I told him, (laughs) I'm laughing because he, he said something very limiting to me. I said, you know, I'm looking for a guy who's an intellectual equal. And he said, you're too smart to find an intellectual equal. 
Interesting. And, and that was just such a, to me, a limiting thing to say, but it was easy to understand because this is somebody I met at Princeton University and I was used to floating in crowds with brilliant people. Um, and a lot of times I walk around in the world and feel like everybody really is going half speed or maybe a quarter speed to me. <laughs> okay, so, all right. But I realized that, again, limiting beliefs. And so I didn't take that on such that I haven't really, people will say you're intense or something like that, but it's like, it doesn't bother me. And I meet the people I need to meet. I believe, you know, now I have a husband who's really able to enjoy my brilliance and he's brilliant in a different way. And I realize that there's things that I'm just like, you got that. I don't got that. <laughs> so people, my aura can be intimidating to people who are not confident in themselves. It's them. I realize it's their stuff that they're not confident. But when I see that, I'm checking and saying, what area of me is out of balance again? But I realize that people who they don't have it together in certain areas are just not even going to get near an approach on one stance. On the other side, there's that group of people, mostly high-performing women and a few smart men, <laughs> as Lisa, Lisa Sasevich, our mentor, would say, a few smart men, realize that, oh my God, she has, I don't know what it is. I can't voice it, but I know she can help me and she can tell me something. So the people who are negative energy, they just fall away. They fall away. So I'm going to ask one last question. You talk about limiting beliefs quite a bit, and it certainly is something we all struggle with at some point or another. So is there something, one thing that you could share with our audience that you do that turns limiting belief that you might have into a knowing that you can <laughs> accomplish something more? Okay. So what turns the limiting belief into knowing? Number one, forgiving yourself for having the limiting belief, forgiveness for having it, forgive you. I, I didn't know. I got to forgive myself being easy on myself. That's just like the number one piece, not being hard on yourself, but looking for it all of the time, looking all the time for a limiting belief. So even when I'm working with my clients and they will state a limiting belief, it's not just theirs, it's mine too. And so being hyper aware and realizing that there's always going to be another opportunity to point it out, forgive yourself and let it go always. I love that. I love that. So Dr. Veronica, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women? So one thing I would say is the biggest part is being free to be yourself and move in different directions despite what other people think and say. And the reason why I say that now is because I had this career, I had this career as an eye surgeon, an MD, and that's not what people come to me now. Yeah, I trained in functional integrative medicine and homeopathy, but I trained in those areas because it was pointed out to me in an entrepreneurial conference by another woman, oh my God, you have visions. Yes. The biggest part about me that is 
in my hand analysis, in my human design chart, in my name, in my everything is downright, I'm psychic and I can help people with that. And I didn't want to help people with that because I was embarrassed about that. And when I let go of that embarrassment, life changed in just so many different ways. So this is a conversation where somebody's out there saying, she's really bizarre. (laughs) But the bizarre is part of me that I had to have other people tell me over and over and over again, this is one of your gifts. And now that I, I help people I use with my clients, human design, I can see in myself, in my spiritual DNA, why I have been set aside to do these things. I have in my circuitry, a right brain download. I have a defined spleen. I have a channeling. There is a piece in the chart that's called the channel. I have that in my chart. And so to really embrace something that a lot of people don't accept as real has been really real for me. (laughs) And I think it's a wonderful point to make is that whatever your unique design is, even if society kind of, you know, snubs their nose at it, be careful that you don't throw it away because it, it is the essence of who you are. And it's I pl- like we were talking about making decisions and I was saying intuitively, this is not the right decision for me. We talked about something mm-hmm. and you're like, say my intuition doesn't work for me that way. And I was like, she probably has a different authority. I'm thinking human design. I am what's called, it's called a splenic projector. Wow. My body in a nanosecond tells me the right answer. And once I learn to trust that, it always tells me the right answer. But everybody's not designed that way. And so I honor that perhaps you're not designed that way or other people are not designed that way. And it's okay because we're all part of this human puzzle. We're all a piece of it. And so to understand and to honor that here's how I'm designed. It's beautiful. You're designed the way you are. I love it that we're all this mosaic. It's everybody has to learn to be who they are. And that's the biggest lesson. And if we can learn to honor that about each other, particularly as other women, we can create a wonderful mosaic picture, can't we? Of tremendous power, for sure. Dr. Veronica, thank you so much for taking time to be here. Thank you for being open and honest with your wisdom and your transparency of your journey. And I just so appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. You hear my babies in the background. Those are my doggies. Yes, I hear them. That's quite all right. That's quite all right. Thank you so much. Hey, we we all have a life. And so thank you for um, having me. Thank you for just being my friend. And I'm so happy I met you all those years ago. We were standing in line and I was talking about your book and I didn't even have a book at that point. So and now you have all kinds of books. Wait, I got so. <laughs> thing. I got to show you my latest book. Oh, yeah. She has a book that she's holding up says get the respect you deserve. So go check it out. I've read some of her other books and she's a wonderful author. Thank, so you, thank so. you again. So Dr. Veronica is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women show as another powerful woman's story unfolds.